anniversary. Westover is 33 years old today. We're celebrating our 33rd anniversary. 33 years ago, the last weekend of April, 1986, we had our very first service at Westover. Now, 33 years later, we're continuing and just thanking God for His faithfulness and His goodness. With that in mind, on this anniversary weekend, I want it to be a vision moment. I've entitled the message, the teaching this weekend, More. God has more. Looking back, reaching forward. We're going to look back, but we're going to reach forward. So for just a moment, allow me to kind of look back and share with us some of the great accomplishments God's allowed us to achieve, and then we're going to look forward. I shared some of this report with the uh, the church body and our our congregational meeting back in February, but let me share it with you again. Last year, 2018, in that single year, in a Westover ministry, whether it was kids ministry, student ministry, perhaps it was a small group, perhaps it was in this auditorium, it was in a conference, a men's conference, ladies' conference, in some Westover service or ministry, 863 people came to Jesus Christ last year. That is to say... 863 people had a making new moment, and they said, I'm going to follow Jesus. Now, of all the stuff that goes on here, I think that's the stuff that gets heaven excited. That's the stuff that God begins to high-five the angels and say, now that's what it's all about, and that's the most important thing. Moreover, 406 of those people follow the Lord in water baptism, and we celebrate people taking a next step in their faith and walking with the Lord. Also, I want to share with you, last year, we just had a, a banner year. The generosity of this church, the giving of this church for missions around the world, whether it was helping to build an auditorium for the Assembly of God churches in Tanzania, Africa, or it was feeding children, whether it was an orphanage in Haiti, what were in some outreach, reaching around the world, the Great Commission, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, this church, we gave $1,003,712 in the effort to share the gospel around the world. Can I tell you, we are committed to the great commission of making new and making great, not just here, but around the world, wherever God will give us an open door. And we just celebrate that. That includes a one-day offering this congregation gave last year in the month of October for a one-day offering, we are now feeding this year a 1,000 children every day. A 1,000 children will eat today in third-world countries where there is no social network. There are, there are no feeding programs. These kids would be scrounging or begging in the street, but now they're getting nutritious meals. A 1,000 children every day this year because of your generosity one day last year. Let me go on to share with you some of the other things that God has allowed us to do. To 2016 to 2018, we built uh, and finished our sports complex. That's our sports field, the concession stand, softball field, the soccer fields, the light, the fence, the sod, the grass, all of that infrastructure down there. And in that period of time, we invested some $2,037,000 in that project. And I want to share with you, the good news is that's all paid for. We paid for it with your offerings, your generosity. 
And let me just say, if you're new here, we didn't just build fields to have fun and play on. Can I tell you, it's strategic. It is a part of our outreach. We had asked God to give us a creative way to reach out into the community and we could connect with outsiders, people that don't go to church. And if you had invited them, they would say, no, I won't go to church. But they're interested in their students, their kids playing sports, and they wanted their kids on faith-based teams. And they're coming in a part. I just received a report. 52 new families have just signed up for our new league. These are people that don't go to church. These are people that say, no, they're, they're at home sleeping right now. But guess what? We're creating a conversation with them and already in our sports leagues in just the year or so they've been going on, some of those families are saying, uh, what, tell me more about the church. Now, what do you do and how do you do this? And they're beginning to show an interest in sports. I was up here yesterday and down on the, on the soccer field down there. There are hundreds of families out there watching kids play and having a wonderful time. We've had as many as 900 to 1,000 people on a Saturday down there in our soccer fields. Then I came into the building yesterday and basketball was going on as I stepped into the building. There was a team that was out in the hallway. They were playing. I could hear the whistle. I could hear the basketball going, but I saw a team out there and I watched a coach as he was affirming students, middle school and high school, affirming them and encouraging them, praying with them. And I've watched this as the students, they always end the game with a word of prayer and a time of prayer. And I've watched some of the parents as they sit in the back. But now we're seeing those parents step up in the circle, grab hands with the students and praying. Can I tell you, God is warming their heart and God is causing their heart and their spirit to be open. That's what outreach is. When we finished our fields down there, the uh, soccer fields, and I saw all that big, beautiful field, I said, you know what? Next year, we're going to do an Easter egg hunt. So last, last weekend on Easter, we did an Easter egg hunt. And I didn't know if 250 people would come or 800 people. I didn't know what was going to happen. But guess what? They told me they stopped counting at 3,000 people when they arrived. Last Saturday, for an Easter egg hunt, we parked 1,050 cars on this parking lot. They parked on Robber Road. They parked in Robber Elementary. They parked in the medical buildings across the street. We had strollers and kids and families crossing Westover Hills Boulevard. It was amazing. And I've already told the team, next year we're going to do two Easter egg hunts. We, we just had an overflow. We're serving the community and able to do things we have never been able to do before. And I tell you what, it's because the church has got a spirit of generosity. We're going to share ourselves to share God's love and to impact the community and the world. With that in mind, I want you to go with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 9. We're going to read a few verses. This is an event in the life of Jesus. And we're going to reflect on it. God has more. We're looking back, but we're reaching forward. In verse 35, Matthew, chapter 9, it says that Jesus went through all the towns and villages. I'm impressed by that. No one was left out. Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Stop a moment. Now, if that's verse 35, he went through the towns and villages, he was healing the sick, 
preaching the kingdom, all kinds of diseases. People were being one to the Lord. Verse 36 should sound like this. So Jesus got an ad campaign, got a crusade tent, began to get brochures, launched a web page, uh, had his own personal app, and began to say, because in the past our success has been going village to village and village to village, that's what we're going to continue to do. But no, verse 36 changes. You see, verse 35 is looking back. And verse 35 is a success. Verse 35 is a success. Yes, God's done many good things. But verse 36 looks forward and reaches to what God will do. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. What God has done was great, but Jesus saw what needed to be done, sheep without a shepherd. And he said, that's what we're going to focus on. Verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He didn't say the church attenders are few. He didn't say the spectators are few. He didn't say the critics were few. The workers are few. Verse 38, ask, ask. God's saying, is there a moment you're going to ask? Will you be bold enough to just ask God for more? Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. These verses were on my heart. The end of last year, I was praying, God, what do you have for Westover for the next two years? What's the conversation? What's the spiritual priority for this church moving forward for the next two years? It's great in what God has done, but what do you want to continue to do? And what's our new assignment? What's our spiritual priority? What hurt do you want us to heal? What pain do you want us to minister to? And the Lord took me to these verses. And I believe the Lord unpacked three spiritual priorities for Westover for the next two years. And I'm going to share them with you today. They've been a conversation in our staff since January. Our pastors have been laboring, working, and just, just, just stewing and, and asking God to expand this in our heart for four months. And now I bring it to the congregation Number one spiritual priority, equip the next generation of spirit-filled leaders. Equip the next generation of spirit-filled leaders. Young adults, God has his eye on you. Young adults, I want to invite you, don't sit in the background. Don't just attend church. Don't just serve in church. Be a leader. And we're committing ourselves to raise up the next generation of spirit-filled church leaders. In Numbers chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, that's a book in the Bible you probably don't read much. That's probably not in your devotional reading. You know, so-and-so begat, and there was so many people, and there were so many people in the tribe, and of this family and this family, list all the names. In fact, if you're looking for a name of a baby, that's a good book of the Bible, because there's about 10,000 names in that book that you could pick out a name of. It's just listing the names. But the beginning of that book in chapter 1, verse number 18 and 19, here's what it says. And it speaks to young adults. And the men 20 years old and more were listed by name one by one. As the Lord had commanded Moses, and so he counted them. God's counting on you. 
God sees that you have spiritual potential, and God is counting. There's a place in the kingdom. Here it is. Here's what God was saying. He commanded Moses, you count them. Because everyone 20 years of age and older, they must fight for Israel. They have a kingdom place, and they need to fulfill that. So here's what I say to all of our young adults. There is a place in the kingdom. You're wired. You're, you're zoned in. Uh, the, the, the boomer generation, we just accepted status quo, and we perfected status quo. But what I see about the millennial generation is you don't accept status quo. You challenge the edges. They tell us that there's the generation, sociologist, generation X. Then came generation Y or the millennials. And now they're saying born after 1995 is generation Z. X, Y, Z. We're out of alphabet. I almost wonder if sociologists have not identified you're the last generation before the coming of the Lord. There's no more generation listed after that. There's not another letter in the alphabet. You may be the generation that ushers in the greatest move of God that this country has ever seen. I will say to all the young adults, you are, you are primarily responsible for a fresh wave of worship in the body of Christ and churches around the world. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for demanding authenticity in worship. You're a gift to the church, and I want to empower you, and I want to invite you. Attend our next step class. You say, I'm looking for a place to belong. On our app, my email address is there. Email me. You need to be counted in the army of God. You need to be a leader in the church and not just a a fringe attender. Spiritual priority number two, ambitiously ambitiously disciple people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. As I, as I began to put that thought together, the word kept coming back to my heart ambitiously. Not just disciple, ambitiously disciple. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples. He didn't say make church attenders. Make disciples. A disciple is somebody who has who integrated God's truth, God's principles, God's word in their life. These are people that, that don't go the whim. They're not blown to and for by every wind and theory. and idea. Not everything they see on the internet do they accept. They don't say, well, I question the Bible because of that article. Here's what they say. No, that article is wrong because the Bible says this. And they integrate God's truth in their life and they live by it. And God's word and God's standard is how they live their life. That is discipleship. Discipleship is being being formed into the image of Jesus Christ. And that's what God has for every one of us. Now, I grew up in an era in the church when discipleship or spiritual stability was measured primarily by one thing. And many of you remember this. You remember being raised in the church. It's not what you did, it's what you didn't do. You better not do this. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. There was a list, an unwritten list that you couldn't do. I mean, the church I grew up in, honestly, I heard sermons against the Marlboro Man. Yeah. I heard sermons against rock music. Rock music? Oh, my God. If you, if you listen to rock music, you were full of the devil. That's how they preached it. Now, I don't, didn't quite understand. Sometimes you could listen to country and sometimes you couldn't. I, I never quite understood that one, okay? But it was all about don't do, don't do, don't do, don't do, don't. And if you didn't, if you didn't do all of these wrong things... You were strong in the Lord. 
And, and I'm not diminishing lifestyle decisions. I'm, I'm, I'm not minimizing that. But let me tell you what that, that didn't do. That didn't validate people fulfilling God's purpose. As long as you didn't do bad stuff, as defined by the church, if you didn't do the bad stuff, you were cool and all right. But what they failed to do was emphasize that every person has a purpose. And if you don't find God's purpose, you are still robbing God and robbing yourself. For you see, sin, the definition of sin in the Bible is this, to miss the mark. And you can miss the mark by making a wrong choice or you can miss the mark by not fulfilling your capacity and your purpose in the kingdom of God. As Dallas Willard, the theologian, said, sometimes the church has been involved in nothing more than sin management. Yeah, don't do, don't do. And we haven't called and summons people to live the life of joy and fulfillment and their gifts and their purpose in the kingdom. We are going to give ourselves as a church to ambitiously develop the disciple people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And guys, let me talk to the men a moment. Guys, often in the church, we take the back seat. We stay on the fringe because we feel uncomfortable about it. And we just, we just kind of show up, and, but we don't really take our lead, our spiritual lead in the home and the church. And we just acquiesce to being anywhere and wherever instead of God's somewhere for us. Kenny Luck in his, one of his books writes about the bleacher guy in the church. He said the bleacher guy in the church is the guy that comes. And he goes to church because he knows it's the right thing to do. And his wife goes and his kids go. But he'll only go if they want to go. And for some reason that weekend they don't want to go. He's fine with it. He could live with it or live without it. But he only goes because he knows it's the right thing to do. He goes to church. His entire spiritual, his spiritual life and his spiritual input, all the verses and the teaching he gets is what's on the screen in the service. He doesn't have a devotional life. He's not in the Word. He doesn't read the Bible. In fact, when he's in church, he's often checking out why the whole thing is going on. He's thinking about what I need to do and how I can be a better dad, a better provider, and what the family needs to do and what, how I need to handle this. Worship, altar calls, crying, expressing emotion is out of his comfort zone, and really he thinks it's for the weak or that's for women, but he's too strong for that. He doesn't need that, doesn't express emotion. He sits on the sideline. He is the spiritual couch potato, and he underperforms, never fully becomes what God wants him to be. He's like the chair at the dinner table. When there are six chairs at the dinner table and the seventh person comes, we go to the other room and we retrieve the the, the odd chair or the folding chair and we bring it in and you sit it down at the table, but everybody knows that chair doesn't belong around the table. That's the way he feels in church all the time. I really don't belong there. When it comes to spiritual things, talking to his kids or speaking his faith to somebody else, he feels like the chair that doesn't belong. That's just not who I am. And because of that, he doesn't fulfill God's purpose 
in his life. And for just a moment, let me speak to all of us. In society today, there's going to be, there's going to be little place in the in-between. Society and the day and the hour we live is going to demand we be all in with God or out. There's going to be no middle ground. For you see, there is a horizontal pool of culture that is always saying, think different, question, walk away from the Bible. Don't accept the values of Scripture. Don't embrace that. You're better than that. You don't have to follow that. This is the 21st century. There's an article here and a conversation here and a news report there. And they, they're always criticizing, scandalizing, or mocking biblical values and biblical v- beliefs. There's that, there is that pull, that uh, uh horizontal pull of culture that is pulling us away from God. There must be in our life a vertical pull that is stronger than that horizontal pull. And many of us, while we have an interest in spiritual things, the horizontal pull is always pulling us. And really our spiritual life is marginalized. It is demonstrated in a news article that came out just last week. Students at a Christian university, students at a Christian university came out against traditional biblical marriage of one man and one woman. Students got together at a Christian university and say, we reject the common belief of the traditional marriage of one man, one woman, and they were embracing the same-sex marriage philosophy that the culture is 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 propagating today. And here's what they said. My Jesus isn't like that. There's not different brands of Jesus. There's not a you Jesus and a his Jesus and a hers Jesus and a my Jesus and a their Jesus. There is one Jesus. There is one Jesus. And we say, what would Jesus do? Let me rephrase that. What did Jesus do? What did he do? Whatever he said and did, that's how we live. And many of us don't have that biblical understanding and that foundation. And we want to strengthen you. We want to build in your life. Men, we want to equip you to become fully devoted followers of Jesus today. And we're committing ourselves as a church. The most ambitious effort. And I'm going to be sharing and unrolling that in August to you. I'm getting you prepared. I'm asking God to put a stirring in your heart that you would commit, God, I want to be like Jesus. Number three, spiritual priority is to reach outsiders through our sports ministry. What an opportunity God has given us. What an opportunity. God has placed us strategically here. God has given us the property, the facilities, and God has given us a tool that that reaches families. We have people calling us and knocking on our door. We're not having to knock on their door. And they're asking us about faith-based leagues. We're having families who are in other leagues saying they're tired of their student who's not a star athlete, never playing and never having a part, but just the competitiveness of that league and, and their, their son or their daughter who just wants to be included and wants to have fun is not allowed and, and, and not given a place on the team. And we're saying, you come play with us, your son, your daughter. They're on the team, they play. Everybody plays. The real win 
is the character development. The real one, real win, is the influence. The real win is their, is their esteem and building character in them. And that's what God is allowing us to do. Matthew, excuse me, Luke 19.10. Here's what Jesus said. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. And many times we talk about the seeking, excuse me, the saving, but we forget there has to be a seeking strategy. We have to seek. Sports ministry is our seeking strategy to reach out to impact others. Three spiritual priorities. And it comes down to this. Jesus said, Matthew 9, 38. Ask. And I'm here to bring the ask. I'm here to to extend an ask of everyone here. I'm asking for those that Westover is your church home and you've attended for years. I'm asking for those who have been attending for the last several weeks or months and you're saying, that's my church. I'm putting the ask in front of you. I'm I'm in behalf of the Lord. Jesus said, just ask God. And I'm asking God by asking God's people. I'm asking you, as outlined in this brochure, and I want you to take it with you, that you'll be generous in everything. We strive to be a church that's generous in our spirit, generous in our facilities, generous in what we do for the community. But our fruitfulness as a church requires your generosity in giving. The Bible tells us that how we express our gratitude to God and we express our our honor to the Lord is by tithing. This brochure will outline for you principles and steps on how to tithe and why to tithe, that it's taught both New Testament and Old Testament. So I'm putting the ask for those who have tended for some years and you've got weary and well-doing in your tithe. I'm asking for the tithe of the Lord to come into the house of the Lord. For those that are new, you've been attending, you're saying, yes, I think that's my church home. We want you to grow. We want you to be a part. But I'm here today to ask that you honor the Lord with the tithe. I'm going to invite you today, not next month, not next week, not next year. Don't buy into the excuse, well, I'll do it later when I get around to it. And this is an ask that goes to every man. Men, we need men to stand up and say, my house is going to honor the Lord with the tithe. The decision of tithing is often contingent upon the man. Oh, I hear ladies all the time, I want to tithe, but my husband won't. My husband says it's his money. He earns it, and he doesn't want to give it away. What I want to invite you is you haven't understood the generosity of God. You're not going to outgive God. The more generous you are to God, the more generous God is to you. And I will tell you, God can bless you in ways that absolutely will astound you, the faithfulness of God. So, fellas, bleacher guy, guy that's kind of been on the edge and the fringe, I'm going to invite you today. Make a commitment. I'm going all in. I'm going all the way. I'm going to honor the Lord. I'm going to serve God. 
It'll be my voice that will wake up our kids in the morning. It'll be my voice that say we're going to church. I'll make the decision. I will lead and I will tithe. I'm going to invite our ushering team to move forward at this moment. And we're going to receive the Lord's tithe and offering and our kingdom builders offering as well. We have three methods of giving at Westover. You can give by check or cash. We always invite you to put that in an envelope. It's in the brochure rack. Online and text to give, but give generously with joy unto the Lord. Let's pray. Father, it's a privilege to lead this great congregation into giving and honoring the Lord on this 33rd anniversary. Denise and I have been blessed to serve as the pastor of this church for 33 years. Lord, we're, we're an example. You take the weak and you take the, the ungifted and the untalented. And you call them and you anoint them. And if they'll just give their all to you, God, you said you'd pour out from them. And Westover is a living example of God taking little and making much out of it. Denise and I are humbled. What a privilege to pastor a great church like this. And now on the 33rd anniversary, I invite people to buy into vision again. I invite people not to look back at verse 35, but to look at verse 36 and see what needs to be done. To see the kingdom assignment that God still has for Westover. And through our our commitment, our involvement, our generosity to see God do great things. We bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you as you give the tithe. And while they receive the offering, I want to make mention of something I did a few weeks ago. This is to put on your prayer list. Westover is launching a Spanish church at our Medina Valley campus in Castroville. Our Medina Valley campus, 15 miles from here. We planted a church out there. It's thriving. It's doing very well. We're thrilled what God's doing. But for a few years, about two years, we've been praying and asking God to help us plan a Spanish church out there. Because in that community in Medina County, we know that there are people whose heart language or exclusive language is Spanish. And we want them to worship Jesus. We want them to have a making new and making great experience in, in, their, in the language of their heart. So Pastor Eric and Rhoda Leos, who are part of the Spanish church of, here at this campus, part of the music ministry, they're leaving, have left, and they're going to go out there. And in September, we're going to actually plant the church. But they're in the process right now of building the team and putting things together and, and discipling the team and organizing things and put all the stuff that has to go and many things behind the scene to, to make a church work and get it launched and ready for September. And I just remind us, our Kingdom Builders uh, Fund through the month of April is for the Spanish church. I mentioned it the first weekend and you gave $10,000 for the Spanish church on that weekend. And it's already buying computer and software and all the things that we need to get that church going. Thank you for that. And you can still give. In April, our Kingdom Builders is designated for the Medina Valley Spanish church. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me and we're going to close in prayer. 
and I think it's appropriate, on our 33rd anniversary, we pray a prayer of blessing on a church we're about to launch. Would you join me? Let's pray for the Medina Valley Spanish Church. Father, I thank you for Pastor Eric and Rhoda and their commitment and the call you placed upon their heart. I pray, Lord, that you will just give them creative ideas, anoint them, God, inspire them to have an outreach in that community. Give them open doors in Castroville and Hondo and the surrounding communities to reach people for Jesus. God, give them a team to stand with them. God, just give them the energy, the encouragement, and the direction they need. And I pray your anointing upon them in Jesus' name.